say, yeah, yeah, if I may, and this is my paper deadhead fish head nerd extreme voice coming through here, which is that the tapers who managed to pull off complete recordings of these shows are they're my idols. They're, they put in so much work. All right, we got three decks here. We're mm-hmm. going to chain them up. And the, that way, when I have to flip, pull this dat, and you're running still, you won't be ha- there won't be a gap. And the, that is, that's championship work right there. My daddy wants you to know a lot of the episodes have mostly clean language. But this episode has some words in it that aren't meant for all ages. So, if you have kids like me in your house, you may want to put some headphones on for this one. You've been warned. Done, done, done. Gaka, Dabro pozalavat, which is welcome in Russian. Welcome to the Daddy Unscripted Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the host and the creator of the podcast. Again, I will let you know so you are not feeling out in the cold. That welcome is my way of helping educate the world of my listeners on how to say welcome in multiple languages. So, you know, in case you run into a Russian today, now you are able to say welcome to them. So here we are, not with a Russian today, but my guest is fantastic and he has not been banned from the Olympic Games in 2018. My guest today is Jonathan Hart. This is the second half of our conversation. The first half was us talking primarily about fatherhood. And this half, we are talking about music and about what brought him into podcasting and where that has taken him as well. So we've had this conversation with a couple of people now. This one is unique and different, I guarantee you. For those of you who come here from Jonathan's world, you will definitely get something out of this and enjoy this conversation. We talk a lot about what brought him and a little bit myself to the Grateful Dead and to Fish and what that meant. And some there's some hilarious stories in here about that. Am I even going to go here? Do I want to say it? That long strange trip i i did it i'm how can i not do it and hopefully i don't get sued for it so without further ado let's get right to those fantastic stories that we have to tell here is jonathan hart all right we are here now with our second episode slash second half of our conversation with Jonathan Hart to talk about some of the other things not so daddy-ish, even though, yes, it is still on the Daddy Unscripted podcast uh, because I know a lot of you that are listening have other interests and not all of you that listen, I know for a fact, are even dads. So this, this is why we continue to do this and not just talk about dad stuff. So... Some of you can yell at me for it, and other others of you can, I don't know, applaud, put me on your shoulders, whatever whatever you want to do. Just don't drop. <laughs> but uh, welcome again, Jonathan. Thank you. It's good to it's good to be here. Thanks for taking more of your time. I I always feel extremely all the more gracious to my East Coasters 
I do appreciate you being on kind of later in your evening, even though maybe that works out best because everybody's asleep. Yeah. What time are you, do you have to wake up for work? I roll, I roll out of bed at about between 5.20 and 5.30 and I'm on a 5.40 train. I mean, I run on five hours of sleep for the past 20 years. Why should tonight be any different? Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the things that I, I talk with parents about constantly and and other people that I really, I had a small tryst with coffee during my high school years when I was act some of the nights that I was actually up late studying and didn't really get into coffee until really and truly the day we brought my daughter home from the hospital. And that was my first day on coffee and it has been my best buddy ever since. Coffee is my, uh, is my constant. Anybody out there watches law or watched lost. Oh yeah. Kind of forgotten about that. (laughs) Become an obscure reference was the biggest show. Yeah, it's kind of fallen uh, uh, under the upheaval of millions of television shows. We're in a new golden age of that stuff. Yeah, we will go back into kind of your history with uh, how you ended up falling into the music that has become such a big part of your life. Was was it something in your in your young teenage years? Certainly, was it a was it through friends or how did you end up falling into classic rock and all of that, which led you to the dead? I touched on this in uh, that helping friendly podcast broke beyond the pond crossover. But I, you know, my dad played kind of some good, some not, you know, oldies when I was a kid. So like he had maybe he had a credence tape, but he also wanted to listen to Paul Anka, you know, Paul Anka is great. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking Paul Anka. (laughs) (laughs) My parents were just raving. My mother, in fact, they just saw him. Really? He's still touring. Wow. You know, they, you know, my mother was into classical music. She had been a folky when she was young and college and high school and stuff. Went to Newport. They graduated high school in Newport. Mm. She went to Newport folk her senior year of high school, which is the year before Dylan went electric. Oh, really? Wow. But she didn't get into the rock and roll. She thought the drums were loud and gave her a headache. And so when I was growing up, they took me to, she took, took us to the opera and I was introduced to, uh, musicals and things, uh, Sondheim and all that kind of stuff. But you know, that we got, uh, MTV in the very early eighties. It was fairly new. We were in Virginia beach. It had to have been. I want to say 82, 83 before we moved North the first time. So, and I, we watched that constantly. My brother and I, who's three years older than I am, mm-hmm. we watched it all the time. And so through that, you know, we were seeing, you know, stones put out a record and they made music videos. And of course every bands were making music videos before MTV, but they were showing it on like, Friday night videos or those that were after my bedtime. I wasn't seeing this stuff until now I could crank the little dial on the cable box because our cable box had cable boxes had dials back then. It's craziness. Standing up to change the channel. Right. We're watching MTV and, you know, so we see uh, the stones waiting for a friend or, uh, 
Start Me Up or a Jay Giles band and Brian Adams Cuts Like a Knife. I remember seeing that. So good. The girl on the the diving board. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and like the, she's in the the changing room with like the saloon doors and like the camera's so close yeah. that you're yeah. like, Oh, <laughs> but of course it's nothing there. It's nothing there, but I'm like 10 and suddenly I right. I'm like it hormones suddenly happen. Oh yeah, totally. Rock and roll, man. It cha- it, it really changed yeah. changed me. This came at exactly the right moment for me and uh, Yeah. So we were I was watching that and there was of course the new wave pop and all that and was coming through at the same time but the radio station that i would tune on my clock radio soon after was the classic rock station Mm. classic rock in the early 80s was pretty cool man oh yeah Uh, it was not all bob Seeger like it is nowadays classic rock now is yeah it's our childhood it's you two and pearl jam Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, exactly. Right. So different. But, now. Um, but plenty of Bob Seeger still. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, so I was listening to that and that's where I started hearing, you know, Jimi Hendrix. And, but I was just hearing the surface, you know, you'd hear Purple Haze and you'd hear Heartbreaker. Right. And you'd hear uh, Space Oddity and you'd hear, you know, all the hits. Mm-hmm. And they were great. And uh, right. they were slowly getting their hooks into me and they continued to do so you know and like i got into genesis and i got into the contemporary genesis and then i was like but wait i like that those that older song and i like that older song you know and Mm -hmm. i started to slowly start to branch out and then the big formative moment i know i mentioned this on that other thing but i'll tell you it was when my my buddy mike turned 13 i was still 12 his mom and dad gave him for his birthday two CDs. Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? And Big Brother in the Holding Company, Cheap Thrills. Oh, gosh. And those two CDs, just, they blew my mind. Yeah. And then I constantly was borrowing his father's Derek and the Dominoes, Layla, and listening mm-hmm. was the crap out of that. And then from there, we just it just snowballed. We started... Soon enough, skeletons from the closet turned up somewhere in 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 his car, or his house, and we started listening to Grateful Dead, and um, and we were still listening to you know Metallica or all manner of the contemporary things like REM and whatever was happening, but we were just digging yeah. deeper and deeper into this other stuff. We were listening to Pink Floyd, and God, I listened to so much Pink Floyd. The first compact disc I ever bought was prior to his birthday you know it was a couple years prior i bought dark side of the moon wow that's a fantastic first cd purchase out of all well of i mean the things i, that you I could had have... tapes prior to that let us be clear it was not the first music I <laughs> yeah it wasn't your first music purchase but it was the first cd and we got a cd player pretty early my father mm-hmm. i don't know it was probably 84 85 so I, and I bought a CD and I was playing it on my parents' CD player down in the living room in between listening to their, uh, their records, many of which weren't that great. <laughs> Let me turn off this uh, Paul Anka and I'm going to put on Dark Side of the Moon for you. <laughs> well, you know, 
the biggest things I got from their their records were like their uh, Simon and Garfunkel. They had a couple Simon and Garfunkel, mm. Joan Baez records. That it, my mother's some Peter Paul and Mary records, mm-hmm. and um, some comedy albums, which most of which I did not actually get. I listened to at length as a child, but I only a few years ago did actually acquire their entire collection. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, and um, nice. I hadn't listened to them in decades, so. It was, Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so there were some good records in there, but this is me forging my own path. And so yeah, we became we became Grateful Dead fans. And uh, I don't claim to have become a deadhead until my first show, which was uh, RFK 91 61491, wow. which was pretty rad. Mhm. It was like the last day of school junior year and my buddy had a ticket and, and um my parents were not given an option to stop me from going. <laughs> yeah. So I went and it was, it was amazing. It like, I knew Grateful Dead music. I had some live tapes. I had albums. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I mean, I had records of theirs and I was into it, but until I, you know, till the first notes of cold rain and snow, I didn't know. Or like walk. I mean, so I, I know my experience, but even when you're getting to the lot and everything, was that completely mind blowing oh, yeah. or did you already kind of know about well, that? You, you know, you can know about it, but it's so different to see like right, right, right. an MTV news report or because I hadn't read relics yet. I hadn't, immer- I hadn't gone into the culture of it. I had been listening to the music. Mm-hmm. I had met a few people, you know, uh, but I, I yeah, you get out of the car in the parking lot at RFK, which is one of the good East Coast lots, even though there was no camping mm-hmm. anymore. This was 90s. So that those days were gone. But um, it was, yeah, this, I don't, where did this come from? How did this appear here in, in Washington, D.C., of all places? Right. A short drive from my parents' house. But But that didn't sell me that here i felt like well i can hang with these people it was a much bigger party than i had ever experienced but it was not it was not like anything i had ever experienced but it wasn't the thing it was Mm -hmm. when they started playing and i was in there and the electricity cat crackled through the air Mm -hmm. that was the thing and there's a story i've told it before and you know, where, you know, I just had kind of a magical kind of time stopping moment during Ro Jimmy during that show, which is why I use that Ro Jimmy as my moniker on my uh, Twitter mm-hmm. and my website and all these things over the years, because that that was where I knew that this was this was magic and mm-hmm. I want to be around magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to keep going back for more? That- right. So really quick, just to get the full visual of the, how old were you at this point? You are 16, 16. So when you are there, where are you located in the venue with respect to the stage? This was a year that they, um, they actually put chairs on the lawn, but Mm. those were promptly folded up and put aside by the audience. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm Um, sure. We had seats in the like the 100 section straight back uh slightly to Phil's side 
And my friend's mom went to the show. She would wait online at the local record store or the department mm. store and get the tickets mm-hmm. when they went on sale. And she kept one of them for herself. And so our seats were with her, but we arrived, we all arrived inside the show just before the band started. And we were like, people were pouring over the, onto the field, over the railing, jumping down onto the field. And oh, we, gosh. we kind of, there was a, all right, should we go? Yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> go, go where? And I mean, I'm seeing it happen, but I'm like, that's probably not, a, that that's probably not allowed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Right. And they were like, oh, yeah. come on. And so we walked down 10 rows or whatever to the railing and wait a moment. And then suddenly, okay, we just jump. And so we were on the field, Phil's side about probably even with the front of board, we weren't all the way okay. up by any means. But a good spot. But you're you're able to see their interaction. I can see and, the stage. I can see the yeah, yeah. video presentation. I can see the light show. And mm-hmm. I'm in a crowd full of people who are all very excited to be where we were. I was stone cold sober until Dark Star. Which was about the right time to not right be. Right time. Somebody was like, <laughs> oh, Dark Star. So... First set was amazing. Second set uh, opened with help on the way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower, mm. estimated profit. And they went into Dark Star. And this girl put a joint and hit it and handed it to me. And man, it was good. I handed it back and I didn't see it again, but man, it was good. I could rave about that show all night long. It's still the best show I ever saw. I saw around 30 shows i think i at one point started to kind of try and calculate and then i was just like uh who am i gonna tell this to i did not quote go on tour um Mm -hmm. i mentioned earlier you know i I, after high school and a brief college career during which i saw probably most of my shows during that brief college career just after um you know i got a job uh, to pay for going to shows, which is weird in some people's perspective, but it's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look at the tour and say, well, we should go there. And for some reason I wouldn't say, well, we should go to all of these. I would say, no, let's just go there. So like, like in 94, you know, mm-hmm. for spring tour, I said, well, let's go to Richfield, you know, Richfield 93 was okay. So let's go to there in, this year. And it's, I just point to the list and, and I, I did that. I did that with fish uh, as the years went on, and then of course I became a, a dad, and it became even more challenging to kind of find the right mixture of opportunity and geography and whatnot. But I did go to West Coast Dead once. I flew out for the uh, Mardi Gras shows in '95, mm. which are not exactly widely renowned, right? But I had a great time. There's a lot of 95 that isn't widely yeah. renowned, I think. But I really had a great time. But otherwise, it was, you know, oh, we'll go to Highgate. And I went to Highgate in 93, uh, 94. That was a nice long drive. <laughs> but I didn't go in 95 the next year when they had, like, a ton of gate crashing and craziness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a weird kind of time, I think late 93 early 94 that was kind of the buzz too 
within the community that it was starting to change. The community was starting, it was like it, there was getting to be a new influx of, of younger people who were kind of that kind of rabble rousing crowd. Yeah. Younger, even than the touch heads, you know, it had just expanded yeah. so much more. And I, I was of that age, but I was, I don't know. I was fortunate enough to have mm-hmm. met some older heads pretty early on and they kind of showed me the right way. I, I mean, I went to two dead shows without a ticket in my pocket, like before I left the house. Mm-hmm. Two. One was Hampton in 92 and the other was Philly in 95. And I got in both of those times. Man, I got to see the Unbroken Chain debut. Mm-hmm. That was okay. Not a great show other than that. Honestly, I was, I was right. I was ready to kind of thinking about leaving really during the first set. It was yeah. kind of dreadful, but then they played them broken chain. So that was okay. <laughs> you know, but that's kind of, there were a lot of people that were doing things a lot differently and it got weird. Yeah. Got weird out there. And at that same time, you're going to fish shows or did you start going after Jerry died and then you kind of, no, I started in 94. Okay. I started my, I've been listening to fish since, since college, maybe high school. Mm -hmm. I think high school is when I first heard them, but I started really listening to them in college and then, but I didn't go see them for a couple of years. And so, so when you were, let's, let's delve into that a little bit before we get into the podcast side, when you were, finally going to shows were you working to get into the whole tape side of it and everything when you were 16 17 i I had a few tapes it wasn't really until uh right before i went to college that i started building a collection and so Mm -hmm. when i got to school i had i don't know 50 to 100 maybe maybe that many tapes but pretty quickly, mm-hmm. when I got there, I met people. In fact, I met a guy who was a great source of tapes at my, you know, the orientation. They had like this overnight orientation three weeks before uh, school started. And I met him there. And so I hit the ground running with a new source of tapes. And um, then we just started meeting people and going to grateful dead fan type events and there was a taco place that had dead mm-hmm. night every sunday or whatever and the little dead cover band in town and awesome east coast networking and yeah i i hardly ever in yeah. all of my years hardly ever did um any bnp trades or any of that stuff because i just mm-hmm. i met Despite being a, a sometimes crippled introvert, you know, I met people and exchanged tapes and got good tapes. And so I had good tapes to trade for other good tapes or I mm-hmm. got lucky and I met a taper or a guy who at least was a, a dat collector. And so that he had crispy, you know, mm-hmm. clones from the masters and there was regular supply of really good tapes. Yeah. Once I started finding out about BNPs that like totally fed into my need to collect things 
which I don't know if they have a acronym for that. It's not really OCD and it's not hoarding. It wasn't really hoarding, but I would, I was sending out so many blanks and spinning my deck like constantly and just, you know, some days getting just our mailbox just full of those yellow padded envelopes and being so, I mean, having the music where there was a day where I finally sat down and I said, it will take me over a year to listen to all of this music. And that didn't stop me from (laughs) sending more out, but it was like, there was so much going on. You know, I was getting so many tapes in that there was no way I could listen to everything, but I still needed to have it. And then once that started opening up, I think I went, went through that whole run with tapes and with that was with just the dead and I really didn't like kind of truly tap into fish until 90 okay. late 98 early 99 and uh didn't start doing any kind of fish trading until oh man maybe 2000 2001 there was I think it was 2001 I had mono twice in a year and spent a lot of time at home and oh my gosh my collection of cds went berserk during that time because i just was sitting at home and um with nothing really to do yeah internet connection then you can just yeah by then we were downloading and oh there was a lot of stuff that was digital at that point yeah and I was sending out a lot of stuff, and then I was starting to get into more of those other bands. You know, I was um, starting to get into Humphreys at that point and starting to try to find some of their music. And Tea Leaf Green didn't follow too long after that because I, you know, reading through relics or whatever, you're hearing all these stories of if Fish is done, who's taking over? And so there were so many bands that the big woo and all these bands that really I don't even, you know, Garage Mahal. In the late 90s uh, uh, through work, I had pretty good internet. And so I was active on eTree, mm-hmm. downloading and just getting so much stuff. And then uh, there was a brief stint uh, where there was a thing called FurtherNet. Yeah, I was on that for a little I while, was, yeah. I was on that, and I, you know, I'm a computer nerd by trade, mm-hmm. and so I was also a, uh, I would say I was on the de- development team, but only because I was, I helped run the chat. Um, I didn't actually do any coding. I did some testing, and yeah, that gave us access to what I used to just refer to as non-dead. So there was fish, there was dead, and there was non-dead. Right. And that was everybody else. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so I got into groups like KVHW, well, Zero first, and then mm-hmm. uh, with then KVHW, which is Steve Kimmock, Steve Kimmock, Alan Hertz, um, Bobby Vega, and Ray White, who was a Zappa alum. And KVHW fell apart, and Alan Hertz went on to do Garage Mahal, and Kimmock did SKB, Steve Kimmock Band, and I would go see them. So when Fish stopped, touring i was seeing kimok a lot mm-hmm. uh, during the first hiatus um which is cool because that got me to go up to the wetlands you know even before the hiatus you know 
going up to the wetlands to see them before the wetlands went away in 2001. Glad I got to do that. Oh yeah. But you know, so was active in these online communities going back to rec music, G dead and, uh, rec music fish. Yes. Forgot about all um, this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you, you said you, you were, you didn't want to call it OCD or hoarding. I, th- I look at, I consider it a curatorial instinct mm. or impulse. Yes. I like that. Which means I collect a lot of crap. Uh, that's how my <laughs> wife would translate. <laughs> yeah. Under our bed in my bedroom are my many cases of CDs. And every once in a while, I'll reach under there and pull something out. But I mean, so much is digital now. Like it's, I do have an actual CD player in my car. My My wife actually hit me up today and said, I need some more of my music on my phone. And I said, well, thank God I have an old laptop that actually has a CD drive on it because otherwise we would have to figure something out. Buy music again. Yeah. Yeah. Tangible music. I, it's just so funny how different things are from the days of us working in record stores and, you know, well, I, I still collect records though. And I buy, a lot of records like to the point that I wonder if I have a problem sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. um, new music as well as old used records. Um, yeah. Constantly, constantly bringing in new records. The good news is a lot of them have download codes so that I can put it on my phone too. Right. But when I'm home, I play records unless I'm working on a podcast. Yeah. I have, I had an old boss, at one of my former jobs who was an old, old deadhead who, gosh, when did he start going to shows? I think he said he maybe started in 72 or 73 and he lived in NorCal at the time, I think, or up in Oregon. And he did a lot of the West coast runs and he had a ton of albums and he digitized all of his music back. Gosh, this is maybe, 10 years ago or so and he gave me three huge boxes of vinyl and they weren't you know in like pristine condition a lot of these things but you know it had like the Beatles White Album and old Led Zeppelin stuff and all this and all this old dead in Europe 72 and this great vinyl and my old apartment complex that we used to live in i had it in this storage closet it was in an okay place but somehow and i really don't know how this happens still even now saying it out loud their snails could get into this closet and i had to throw away a whole box of albums because snails had gotten in there and just basically died and these albums were like, it was kind of like they were in the egg pit in aliens. They were like all kind of crusted over. And I was like, there might be a way to salvage these, but I'm it's completely not worth the effort. So I didn't even look at what albums I was losing. I couldn't bring myself to do it, but I had to throw away a whole box that probably had 50 to 60 
albums in it. So I'm hoping that was the one that had like, no offense to these bands, but like <laughs> the cars and right. Huey Lewis and the news and Duran Duran. Cause he did have some of that like eighties stuff in there too. So I'm hoping that it wasn't that stuff. Hey man, don't, don't fuck with Duran Duran dude. Rio was my shit. I was, I definitely I don't want to sound like I'm dissing Huey Lewis because I do love Huey Lewis and the news, but yeah, I, I need to get a record player. That was what the point I was getting to. I have all these albums and they're still in my garage and I, had a record player at one point. We got it uh, shortly after my daughter was born. So she was born in September. And I believe my wife got it for me for my birthday, which is in November. And it was the greatest thing ever. I was so happy. And I have like videos of me and in our little apartment holding my two month, three month old daughter in my arms with a record on and it was just magical times and the record player broke after like three months. So I've told my wife almost every year, I need a record player this year. So someday. So let's skip forward to your going into the world of podcasts. So I kind of touched, you know, I mentioned my website and I've always, not always, but long had some sort of internet presence a blog that's active in fits and spurts. And it was never exactly the medium for me, but it's a thing that I could do sometimes. And I would, yeah, I would do it sometimes. And, and it's all up there still. If you go to roadjimmy.net, there's, there's years of stuff. Mm. And, you know, and I got a, it's active on Twitter. Uh, and, and I'd been listening to, I, been listening to podcasts so i started listening to things like all songs considered and sound opinions because you know i like music so i'm listening to music mm-hmm. podcasts and and i stumbled across the helping friendly podcast and i was listening to uh, the dead pod the professor playing a dead show every every week and i guess it was around was it 2013 when fish did the uh wingsuit mm-hmm. set Halloween. And I didn't go to that show because I didn't go to yeah. Halloween shows because yeah. kids. But I was actually going to the next night, my buddy's birthday, whatever year that was. It was, you know, it was his birthday is, is November 1st. And Fish hasn't played that many November 1sts. Right. And least of all here on the East Coast. And again, he also had kids. And so there were not a lot of Halloween shows for him over the years. And so he was up there. It was Atlantic city was where those shows were held. And I watched the stream of the Halloween show and I enjoyed it. It was controversial though. Cause everybody was, you know, Oh my God, they play this set of entirely new music and it's, there are songs and man, where there are a lot of opinions and I formed an opinion too. So I, I listened to, I watched it when it happened. And I listened or listened to it when it happened. And, and then I, put it on my phone and I hopped on a train to go to Atlantic city the next morning. And, um, and I listened to it on the train, tweeted about it as I listened to it. And I wrote up a little blog post about my thoughts on it. And, uh, somewhere in and around that some engagement began, maybe it had already begun to some degree with RJ and Brad over at helping friendly podcast. And they asked me to come on sometime after that. And um, 
So I did. So I went on and I went on with another guy, uh, Josh, who is uh, at Nolif Socks. What's up, Josh? He and I um, up, Josh? have common tastes. Yeah, what's up, Josh? <laughs> a little shout out to Josh. He's a good dude. And we have some common tastes. And we also both uh, had been at, and for this episode of Helping Friendly Podcast, we talked about that Providence 94 show. And um, that was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed doing it. And before long, I was, you know, talking with RJ and he asked me to kind of, hey, do you maybe want to come on again? And any way you might be interested in helping out in any way, let us know. And that kind of evolved into me joining joining up and becoming a partner in this fish podcast. Mm. It's great. It's been a lot of fun. I, I love it. I love w- talking about fish with friends and listening to fish for that purpose. I mean, what, what better pastime, right? Mm-hmm. Except that maybe it could be grateful dead. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, at some point that crossed my mind. I was like, this would be cool if I were doing this with Grateful Dead. And so I guess it was last year I talked to RJ about it. I was like, you know, maybe do some we should do some what do you think? Maybe Grateful Dead? Should we start another podcast? What do you what do you think? And he's like, I don't know, maybe and maybe we should. Maybe you should. And then uh we kicked it around right around Christmas last year. We got serious about it for a moment and I was like I I might do it. Let's do a Grateful Dead episode on the Helping Friendly Podcast. So we did right at the beginning of the year, uh, this year. And and it was cool and it was well received. And there was some chatter. We On Twitter, we asked people, you know, should we do some more Grateful Dead or should there be some Grateful Dead? And we got some generally f- favorable response from, you know, a handful of people. And that was all it took. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, I'm going to do it. And it was still like, there was a question, kind of an open question about, you know, is this a, you know, an extension of Helping Friendly podcast or, you know, a couple of us going to host it or how is it going to be? And I just said, I'm, I'm doing this. And I just ran, ran, mm-hmm. came up with, I not come up with a name. C. Hillwig at Chillwig uh, came up with the name. He's a good deadhead and fish fan and taper and generally smart guy. And, I talked to him a bit, uh, quite a bit before I started this, uh, because he has good opinions. And, um, and I even, and I asked him, you know, I was kicking around a couple names and he was like, yeah, you should go with this. I was like, yes, yes, I should. Mm-hmm. So credit goes to him for the name and, uh, slapped together a logo and a blog spot website and made a, made a mix of some Grateful Dead music and, went to town there it was did you Done. did you do the whole have so many episodes in the can before you launch thing or did you just get your first episode nope. in and launch and then go from there because i'm frankly a rebel a, i know because <laughs> i'm frankly just a busy dude yeah i i told myself this is going to be a monthly podcast and i it's a long gap between episodes but it's, I, I want to be realistic. Yeah. I want to set out and say, we're doing a weekly podcast of an hour of Grateful Dead music and creative mixes and all that. That's a lot of work. Yeah. So I said, well, we're going to do it monthly. And I put one out. I think the first one came out in um, March. And I just like 
put it together and put it out on a Tuesday. And then there I was that point first Tuesday of next month. That's my next, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? It's April. What am I going to do? And I did it and just kept kind of doing it. (laughs) And, you know, a couple of times it's been a little like the night before finishing it all. Mm -hmm. That's normal. This time I had it done and I was sitting around on Monday, this past Monday uh, in the evening. I said, it's a little weird that I'm not, hammering in front of the computer but that's done all right well i appreciate again all of your candor and information with all of this i know that i have a lot on my new to-do list including looking for road jimmy mixes yeah they're out there of music i've got a couple of them on my youtube channel and a couple that some are not but they're out there okay If if you ask nicely i might even be able to point you the right direction for a couple things I I love it. I will send something with a big like gif of somebody saying please and I'm <laughs> sure that will also help. Do it. <laughs> I appreciate you being on Jonathan and taking all of this time with us and I know that there are a lot of nuggets of good information as well as some great stories in here for people to hear. So again for all of you who are out there in the world of Twitter, uh, you can find Jonathan, his podcast, the Broke Down Podcast, at Broke Down Pod. And you can find his personal Twitter at RoJ, that's R-O-W-J. And uh, also, you're you're a constant on HF Pod now, yes? Yes, I'm one of the four hosts, so I'm in... I'm on most episodes, many episodes. Uh, with four of us, it's easy to you know swap in and out if somebody's not available. We right. Press on. And it's very fitting. There were a lot of things that were fitting of our conversation today, being that we talked a lot about your navel, your, your navel. <laughs> My belly. Talked a lot about your belly button, Jonathan. It's it's an innie. <laughs> your family's history in the Navy on yeah. Pearl Harbor Day as well as um, talking about and creeping up on New Year's Eve. And this was my first dead run was New Year's Eve run in 1990. That was my walking into the scene and being completely sucked in and 100% blown away by everything. Wow. So you were just six months ahead of me. Yeah. And during that six, next six months, I mean... I hadn't I hadn't really heard very much live dead before that and during that next 6 months I mean I was already you know who knows how many tapes in due to connections through Tower Records Intense and whatnot yeah. so so again look up everything on Jonathan and make sure you send him a hello and You should subscribe to those podcasts if this music is something that interests you as well. And uh, keep an eye out for uh, his next episodes to come, whether they are from Broke Down Pod or uh, Helping Friendly Podcast or a.k.a. the HF Pod. So thanks again for all your time, Jonathan. Have, Have a good night's sleep. Thanks so much.
Okay, and that concludes my full conversation with Jonathan Hart. Again, you can find him on Twitter and all of those places. You can find his podcast and the Helping Friendly podcast and make sure that you subscribe if you are so inclined to those podcasts. You can subscribe to Daddy Unscripted. Go right there to the iTunes store, find us, subscribe, leave a review. I haven't asked for that in a little while. So again, I've been talking about doing a giveaway. Let's start it out with this one. So so in honor of Jonathan, we are going to give away either a CD of fish from one of their Halloween shows or one of Dick's picks of Grateful Dead show for those of you who leave a review on iTunes. So make sure you leave a review, take a screenshot of that review and email it to me at daddyunscripted at gmail.com and I will pick a random winner from all of those submissions to give you your choice of a CD. I will send it to your house. I will not sign it because that will not make the value go up, but I will send a CD directly from Amazon to your address if you just send me a screenshot of the review that you left. So let's get those reviews rolling in. Thanks a lot for that, you guys. Also, you can always find us on the website for all of that extra material as well as the old blog posts. That's at daddyunscripted.com. You can also find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, all under Daddy Unscripted. So thanks again for listening, you guys. Keep an eye out for the next great episodes coming out in one to two weeks. Thank you. Thank you.